just let it slip. Yo, his palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous. But on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking. How? Everybody's joking now. The clock's run out. Time's up. Over. Wow. I can't say that with this straight face. All right. Thanks, guys. We're good. Yeah. All right. Thank you. It just feels good to finally get that off my bucket list. Wanted it my whole life. No. But have you guys ever taken time to consider that for yourself? That if you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything that you've ever wanted, one moment, would you capture it? And when you think about the desire that you have above everything else, where does your mind go? Let's go to money. If I can just have a little bit more, we'll be set. Is it fame? If people know who I am, then I'll finally accomplish it. A successful business, maybe it's a spouse, maybe for you, it's to finally have a kid after years of trying. Maybe when you think about that desire that you have above everything else, if you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything, just be to have healing from a disease for yourself or someone you know. But if you're honest with yourself, what is the first thing that pops in your head? You know, whenever we consider this, I would venture to say that whenever we consider our desire above all else, every single one of us in this room, that desire falls in one of two different categories. That is that it can be classified as power or control. For many of us, when we consider that desire that we have above every single thing else, it could be both both power and control. If we could just have more power over our life, control over that illness, whatever's been plaguing us for a long time, if we had just a little bit more power, a little bit more control, then everything would be right in our lives. That all of us, our desire above all else has to do with power and control. How does that feel? How does that sit for you this morning? It doesn't feel right, does it? I would imagine some of you might be disagreeing with me in your head. Uh, you don't know what I, I, I actually desire, but, but hear me out. That naturally what our instinct is, is to desire things of power and control because that is the way the world has taught us to be the way the world is training us to be. And that's not to say that the desire or striving for more for yourself or for your family is bad. It's not bad to desire healing. But when we think about the reason for it, a lot of times it's for power control. This morning, I want to take us on a journey. I want to challenge you to think about life a little differently. I want you to keep in the back of your mind whatever that desire is that you thought about whenever I first mentioned it. Because what we're going to see in Mark chapter 10 is Jesus changes the perspective of two of his closest friends, two of his disciples, James and John. Helps them to see that they have a choice to make. 
that they can lose themselves to their desires. We all have the opportunity to lose yourself to your desires. And when we consider losing yourself to your desires, that's characterized by power and control. But as Jesus flips the script, shows us that we have the opportunity not to lose ourselves to the desire, but rather lose yourself of your desires, we can have true joy and peace. We'll see losing yourself of your desires is characterized by service and giving. That as we understand things a little bit differently, Jesus unlocks this whole new world for us to see. That it doesn't have to be about the power and the control because what we do is we lose yourself to your desires is we become blinded so much by them that we can see nothing else. Jesus flips the script of that for us. And I would say over the last six years, this has been a struggle for me. I finished up my undergrad degree in religion. I'm almost done with my master's in theology. And over this entire time, I have had this desire, blinded by this desire of being great, of making a name for myself. Whenever people look at me, they look at me for wisdom, for knowledge, saying he is the next great theologian, all of these things. I've had this desire. And as I get closer and closer to the end, I realized that my desire has been misplaced. That I've lost myself to my desires rather than losing myself of them. And that's exactly where James and John find themselves. But I want to ask you that. When you consider your life, in what way have you lost yourself to your desire rather than of your desire? In Mark 10, we'll start in verse 32. And what's going on here in the book of Mark is Jesus is walking along with his disciples, his closest friends, and he is about to tell them for the third time exactly what is about to happen to him. He says that I'm gonna be mocked, I'm gonna be spit on, I'm going to be killed. We see at the center of the story are James and John. And when you consider the 12 disciples, Jesus had a closer group that we refer to as the inner circle of three. It was Peter, James, and John. And James and John, two of the closest friends of Jesus, find themselves in this exact predicament, losing themselves to their desires rather than losing themselves of them. We see, starting in verse 32, it says, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were fearful. And again, he took the 12 aside and began to tell them what was going to happen. We see they were both amazed and they were fearful. This is because they knew what getting to Jerusalem meant. They'd heard it multiple times. Jesus is not going to be there much longer with them. And as they continue on this, Jesus says, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. The son of man, referring to Jesus, will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes. Those are the religious leaders of the day. And they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. That is, hand him over to the government, the Roman officials of the day. And he says, they will mock him spit on him, scourge him, and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. And so for the third time in a short period of time, Jesus tells them exactly what is going to happen. We see it for the first time in Mark chapter eight. 
And in Mark chapter eight, it says, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise. Again, very similar to this passage. And then in chapter nine, Jesus tells them again, the son of man is to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. Jesus was not speaking to them in code. What Jesus was doing is he knew that he was about to entrust this mission to them, to spread what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus to the nations. And so he needed them to understand what was going on. But time and time and time again, they don't understand. You consider, why does Jesus have to tell them three times? Well, it's like talking to your kids, right? Do they ever do it the first time? Not typically, or the second He's reminding them because they're not quite getting it. In fact, the second time he tells them in chapter nine, it says that they did not understand what he was saying, but were afraid to ask. Have you been there before? Your spouse says something to you. Hey, I need you to do this. You don't quite understand it. So uh, you kick the selective hearing in. Uh, I was afraid to ask. That's exactly what they do. And then we see that second time It says, but they kept silent. For on the way they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. What? Jesus tells them what is about to happen. These are people that are close friends of Jesus. I mean, the ones that spread Christianity to what we know today, his closest followers, believing all the things he's saying, knowing that he's the Messiah, the one that God has sent to save you and me and all of them. They know this about Jesus. And even then, right after he tells them, I am going to die, they're talking about who's the greatest. And we pick up right there in Mark chapter 10, the third time, right after Jesus tells them again. And we see none other than James and John come up. You can imagine them slow walking up to Jesus with that uh, lose yourself song in the background, lose yourself in the music, the moment you want it, you better never let it go. Psyching themselves up. All right, we get this one shot, this one opportunity to seize everything we've ever wanted. We need to ask Jesus of this. And so the story continues. It says, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. That's bold. (laughs) We want you to do whatever we ask of you. Jesus said to them, what? Do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And as they've psyched themselves up, you can imagine them huddling close to Jesus, whispering, because again, the disciples were just talking about who's the greatest. And here are James and John trying to shoot their shot, get the opportunity to be the greatest among all of them. They say, okay, Jesus, we've been talking about heaven. We know you said that you're gonna die. And so what we want you to do is we know that in heaven, we're gonna have these seats. We don't know what they're gonna look like, but there are seats. And we know that there's a spot that you're gonna sit. And so what we want is we want to be sat at your right and at your left. Because when people look to you in heaven, we want them to also see us. I mean, we are two of your three closest friends. We wanna sit right next to you. And you can imagine as Jesus hears this from James and John right after what he just told them was gonna happen. Bow his head. Disappointment. 
responding to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Are you able to be baptized by the baptism with which I'm baptized? You do not understand what it is you're asking. I can picture the disciples being mad at James and John. What are you guys doing? And James saying to John, I told you that was a bad idea. John, that was your idea. Disappointed. But they weren't getting it. You see, what James and John found themselves in is they had completely lost themselves to their desires and that they were blinded by these ambitions controlled by power and control. Not able to see anything else. And it's in this moment that Jesus decides to flip the script. Instead of tell them for a fourth time, because obviously that's not working. Like any good teacher, he decides to continue on by showing them. You see in verse 42, it says, calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are, who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. And so Jesus takes this moment to teach this incredible lesson. He says that the world shows you, the world teaches you to do two things. It teaches you to go after your desires that is centered on power, that is, the Gentiles lord it over them, power and control. Great men exercise authority over them. That the world has taught you that you need to go for power and you need to go for control and everything you do and everything you're seeking after, those are the two most important things. And what Jesus says to them, he says, but it is not this way among you. He's not saying it will not be this way. If you follow me, then you will change the way. He says, it is not this way. When we consider the kingdom of God, when we consider the things that Jesus has taught his disciples. He says, it is not this way among you. And this is where Jesus offers that alternative for the disciples to see things from a new perspective. To instead of lose themselves to their desires, to lose themselves of them. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. That when we consider losing ourselves of our desires, the first step is that of service. To be a servant, slave of all. And he continues, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So he's saying, James and John, you're going after this power, after this control, but what you need to be going after is service and giving, that I'm giving my life. That is the centerpiece for everything that I'm showing you how things should be. But again, they don't get it. So Jesus shows them. And then they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with the disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And what's unique about Jericho is right now we see that Jesus is trying to show James and John and the other disciples two things, that they are to be wholly dedicated to the Lord, given up to him in his service. And they're also to be lowly. They're to be a servant to all to give their life as a ransom, just like Jesus is. 
In Jericho, when you look back at the Old Testament, one thing that we know about Jericho is in all of the ancient Near East, it is one of the geographically lowest cities in all of that area. Not only that, when you look back in the Old Testament, when the Israelites finally get to Canaan over into the promised land, one of the first places, or in fact, the first place they get to is Jericho. And at Jericho, what the Lord said, what God said to the Israelites is this is the first fruits of Canaan. And the first fruits are to be wholly dedicated to me. And so it's in this place, in Jericho, that Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you know the story. You know that this is a place wholly dedicated to the Lord and is a place that is low, just like I need you to be. And up comes Bartimaeus. James and John spiritually blinded by their desires. So, of course, Jesus brings up about a blind beggar. And when he heard, this is is Bartimaeus, when he heard that that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And when we consider many more were sternly telling him to be quiet, you can imagine the disciples included in that, telling him, stop, quit. And it's in this moment, Jesus flips that script and does something different for this blind beggar. Jesus stopped. He said, call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up. He came to Jesus and answering Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Does that sound familiar? Those are the exact words that Jesus said to James and to John when they came up. What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight just want to regain my sight. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. That phrasing began following him on the road, literally became a disciple of Jesus. And that is what is really important when we consider of losing ourselves to our desires or losing yourself of your desires is the first step of losing yourself of your desires is we have to first have faith in who Jesus is and what he is saying. And when we do that, the proof of that showing of that is that we begin following him on the road. Bartimaeus was offered something incredible. His faith had made him well. He started to serve and to give. That's where his faith led him to. In the midst of this blindness of James and of John, Jesus steps up. He flips the script to help them see something from a different perspective. And in our lives, we can get so consumed so consumed with being first, with being the greatest, with taking that one shot, that one opportunity to seize everything that we've ever wanted, forsaking everything else along the way. I saw this in my own life. Proud of myself for all that I'm trying to accomplish, the school full-time, work full-time. I have a, 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 a almost two-year-old, a baby on the way, and it's, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm great. I'm awesome. But what Jesus has been revealing to me is that my desires have been misplaced, that I've lost myself to my desires, been blinded by them. 
But Jesus offers an opportunity to take that blindfold off. And where does that sit for you? How can you go from losing yourself to your desires from that to losing yourself of your desires? Maybe when you consider having a successful business, having more money, fame, using that as an opportunity to leverage it in service of God to give back to the community. When you consider facing something like a diagnosis that you don't know what to do, you don't know how to handle it, you don't know what is gonna happen next. Instead of so focused in on, I need to have control of my life back, I'm gonna have power over this, I'm going to accomplish this. Jesus says, no, take a step back. See that I have something greater for you. I have something more for you. Instead of being in that diagnosis room, hearing of what's gonna happen and thinking, I've gotta find a way to fight this seeing that God has put you in a place where you have an opportunity to serve him, to give joy, to give hope, to give life to the medical professional, whoever it is, is in that room, looking at things from a different perspective, saying, I'm not losing myself to my desire. I'm losing myself of them because as we do that, as we follow Jesus and have faith in him, just like Bartimaeus, we see that Jesus's desires become our desires. I want to show that for you here in a minute. I have a, a volunteer. I think that's going to come up. He's up here. Hey, Alex, everyone uh, give it up for Alex real quick. He's a, uh, do a demonstration for us. You know, I was going to, I was going to run on this myself, but you know, I got to talk. So he's doing it for me. Are you ready? Are you sure? You guys want him to go real fast or just kind of fast? There it goes. 6.5, exactly. (laughs) I like it. So when we consider what Jesus is trying to show in this story is that we have these desires above all else. And as we start in our life, we start on this quest seeking after these desires, we feel unhindered. Pretty, Pretty loose? Feel good so far? Yeah. And we're running. We're running after these desires, wanting to get just a little bit closer. If I can have just a little bit more, maybe I'll finally reach the desire. And then we get to this point, we get to this place where we see our moment, our one shot, our one opportunity to seize everything we've ever wanted. And so what we do is we pick up the pace. Still good? We go faster because we see this is our moment. This is our time. This is our chance to get everything we've wanted. And so we know that these desires are right here. We can see them right in front of us. So we pick up the pace, running faster and faster, trying harder. But just like we saw with James and John, we think we're getting closer. But in reality, we're blinded. blindfold for you. We'll see how this goes. Oh, you're going to slow it down first? Okay, that's fine. Oh, yeah, you did. We almost tripped last time, so we're, we're working on it this time. No, but we are blinded. When we consider these desires above all else, we were running, we were going. And when we run and we go with these desires in front of us, we think we're getting closer to the goal. This has been our goal. But we don't know where we are. 
We can't actually see what's in front of us because we are so blinded by this desire that we don't really understand what is going on. We forsake anything and everything we can. And as we are blinded, we are running faster and faster and faster, trying to reach it, trying to finally get where it is that we want to go. It feels like we're getting there. Feel exhausted. And as we keep going, again, we find that chance to seize everything that we have ever wanted. If I run faster, if I try harder, I'm going to finally get there. And what we find ourselves in is this spot where we've been blinded. We are on this spot and we're getting no closer. We finally get to a point. We start to lose a little bit of confidence. We realize we're not getting any closer So we slow down. I've been working so hard in order to get this, but I I don't see it coming to fruition. There's always something else. We start to lose hope on these desires above all else, but we are exhausted. We've been trying all by ourselves, blinded by these desires, unable to see. And unfortunately, what happens for some of us is instead of just slowing down, we come to a complete stop. Say, why am I even here? Maybe it's better if I'm not. We sit on the side, unable to move, unable to go. And what Jesus is showing us is that it is not this way among you. You've been running in this cycle, you've been going after these desires. Take a step back. Don't exhaust yourself. He's saying, what I need you to do is I need you to see that you can look at things from a different perspective. Instead of losing yourself to your desires, seeking after this power, seeking after this control, you can lose yourself of your desire and service and giving to me. And I'm gonna show you that there is a different way that we don't have to exhaust ourselves. But first, we have to take a step off of our platform and walk in a new way. Because ultimately, This is meaningless. When we consider the span of eternity, our time here is so small, it's so short, but we spend it exhausting ourselves, going after something that's gonna fade away that doesn't matter. And I'm not saying don't pray for healing, don't try and find freedom from an addiction. I'm saying, stop running after it all by yourself. Jesus says that you can go a different way, that you can make me the Lord, make me the boss of your life. You can go my way instead of your way. And you can say, God, I know that I've made mistakes, but I admit that I've made those mistakes. But today I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life. Now give me the power to live for you. And what we see with James and John is something incredible. It's that they did not see that they were doing this on their own because they were blinded. But Bartimaeus came along, showed them through the actions of Jesus that this is not what life has to be. It is not this way among you, but I have something greater. I have something more. I have something better. If you have faith in me, we can walk with a different perspective in mind. That's what we need too. 
You see, a lot of times in life, we try to do it on our own. What we find ourselves in is we're blinded, we're isolated, we're insulated from those around us. I can do it by myself. I don't need anyone else. But God designed us to live in community. That's what the church is for, to walk alongside each other and say, hey, I know that you can't see what you're doing, but I see it and I wanna help you see that there's a different path that Jesus offers for us. And that's what I experienced in my own life. Whenever I consider over the last six, seven, eight years, seeking after this goal, seeking after this desire to be this great theologian, to be well-known for wisdom and knowledge, puffing myself up, Jesus has shown me through other people that it's not about making a name for myself, but it's about making a name for him. I couldn't do that on my own, but God surrounded me with people like Bartimaeus to show me a different path, to show me I'd been stuck in a cycle. Where in your life can you do the same? Where do you feel stuck in the cycle? Maybe you don't have anyone. Maybe you have a couple people. It's all meaningless conversation. I want to encourage you to jump into community through service, through giving. Giving back to the community. Serving whether it's here or one of our our local partners. If you're not sure where to jump and you feel like you've been blinded for so long, I want to encourage you to do one thing. We talked about it a little bit ago. But I want you to text START to 28100. It's it's starting point. It's next weekend at 11 o'clock. It's a time to meet people jumping in just like you are. Maybe you've been here for a long time. Maybe you just started. This is a chance to say, I'm going to take the blindfold off. I'm going to step off of my platform. I'm going to stop going my own way. And I'm going to walk in community, in friendship with people around me. And as we do that, Jesus is going to show us this life of service and giving that leads to true joy and to true peace. But ultimately, when we consider what Jesus is showing us is that we have a decision. Your decision, just like James and John, is to lose yourself to your desire, to run after power and control that leads to nothingness, or instead, lose yourself of your desires. A life that is so much more, that lacks the exhaustion, the blindness, saying, open your eyes to what I have for you, but you have to make the choice for yourself. Let us be people that choose to lose ourselves of our desires rather than lose ourselves to them. But let's pray. God, I don't know what all is going on in this room for all of us. A lot of confusion, a lot of hurt, a lot of heartbreak, even a lot of uncertainty. But God, we know that you offer us a better way. You offer us a new way of life that we can lose ourselves of our desires and find true joy and peace and comfort in you. God, when we pursue after these things, while they may be good, they may be noble, it's not that those are bad, but God, you show us that while success, fame, finally having that child can be a byproduct it certainly can't be the goal, the goal that you have for us because this is fading away so quickly. So God, I pray today that we can be people who lose ourselves of our desires and step into what you have for us instead of running after our own desires. God, will you make our desires your desires? Let us go after you and what you have for us in the days ahead. 
Jesus' name I pray. Amen.